and welcome to the Total Soccer Show. My name is Daryl Grove, and I'm joined by a man who knows the laws of the game. <laughs> His name is Taylor Rockwell. Hello. Hello. I do, after having them explained to me by an official. Yes, I'm good yeah. to go. Uh, that's the best way to learn them. It kind yeah. of is, yeah. Um, I have the iFab app on mm-hmm. my phone. Also I a good way. thoroughly recommend it. Yeah, mm-hmm. even though it made me update my phone. It made me update my iOS just to get it. And what yeah. is the iFab app for those who are unfamiliar? Oh, well, this is a long explanation, but iFab is the International oh Football Association board, I think. That sounds and right. It's essentially uh, the home nations, mm-hmm. so England, Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales, plus FIFA. I had to get that reference. In. And they combine, mm-hmm. but it is. <laughs> um, and they combine to essentially, they're the people yeah. that change the laws of the game and keep them updated. Mm-hmm. And they launched an app that was... They're the ones. They're the ones, yeah. yeah they're the, they're the stonecutters. <laughs> so <laughs> they are the stonecutters of soccer. Um, so if you want like the actual laws of the game, mm-hmm. you go Googling it, you could accidentally get the 2015 version. And likely will. And likely will, yes. yeah. Uh, but if you just download the app, you have it just there to go and you can pull it up on your phone or whatever mm-hmm. and look at it. Yeah, I would say you likely will because that's literally what happened today is I like pulled up the laws of the game and I was like, but doesn't it say this? And the person I was talking to said, yeah, those are the old rules. Here are the new <laughs> rules. And then it made a little more sense. And of course, mm-hmm. the goal we'll be talking about mm-hmm. that really um, is all about the laws of the game is that Monica own yeah. goal to win the game for Australia in Australia, Brazil. Yeah. It was an exciting game. It was. It was sort of, we hyped it up in our own heads, mm-hmm. and then we were prepared for disappointment yep. because of France Norway. Yep. But this game lived up to the hype. It did. Brazil went 2 0 up. Australia came back and won 3 2. You can't ask for more excitement than that, I guess, unless you're Brazilian. You cannot. Uh, I would <laughs> say, though, like, it was definitely a lot of excitement, and it, and it lived up to that. It was also a lot of weirdness. There were some yes. weird moments but in that this game. But that was exciting. Yes, that yeah. is true. That is true. But the it was only, definitely a head scratcher. The on only weirdness that wasn't good was Australia's jerseys. <laughs> You don't I, like those? I just can't read the numbers. Yeah. I'm sure they look nice. Mm-hmm. Like I'm sure they're, they're conical, or at least they're a bit different. But I cannot read the numbers on Australia's jerseys. Am I alone be, in this? No, that seems to be a recurring thing with a lot of the jerseys at this tournament. Right? Yes, or just yeah. like kind of the current jersey style. Yeah. I don't really know why. The US Women's National Team, the, yep. the dark blue with the red number. Yep. The Men's National Team wear a similar jersey. Yeah. Cannot read those numbers. Does not work. It's <sighs> one of the things you're supposed to be able to do. Anyway, enough of my complaint. Uh-huh. Let's talk about this game. Let's do it. Okay, so here's my theory of this game. Mm-hmm. I think you share it. Australia had a game plan. Mm-hmm. It was bang a load of crosses into Sam Kerr. Pretty much. Right? And not a bad idea because she's so very dangerous. Brazil were terrified of that. Yep. If the cross doesn't reach Sam Kerr, then we counter-press really, really high. And if right? Sam Kerr isn't the one like most central and high up the field, then eh, maybe Ford will do. And if not, then maybe Lagarde. But like, yes. it was always whoever was highest up was the one who they seemed to be focusing that long ball to. Yeah, and then you counter-press afterwards mm-hmm. and hopefully win the ball back. Yeah. But that leaves you kind of open. Quite. And I would argue that's why Brazil at least get their first goal. Like, yeah. Brazil mm-hmm. sort of, it was a long ball to Kerr, mm-hmm. um, didn't get there. It's cleared. Brazil go up the right. They switch the field. Uh, um, Alessandra does really mm-hmm. Well, in the middle, switch the field. Dabinia gets down the left. Tamirez, the left back, overlaps, crosses it in, and then the right back, yeah. whose name I believe is Leticia. Leticia um, Santos. Leticia Santos, who's stri- she started the counter attack, mm-hmm. then she streamed into the box. She gets pulled to the floor by um, Ellen Knight. Mm-hmm. Actually, this this is somewhat controversial, right? right? Or mm-hmm. seems to be. Yeah, I feel like this is an easy penalty. I think it's an easy penalty, and I think 
to some extent, the the Fox like studio crew let let themselves or at least the viewers down a little bit because they only showed one angle that seems as though Leticia Santos goes to the ground very easily. The third replay is her getting barged into in the back, and so she's kind of already like yeah, awkwardly footed, balance. and then gets kind of shoved and pulled simultaneously. And there's a jersey wrap. Right? Yeah, that's um, what I'm saying. It's like gets a fistful of jersey. Yeah, it's like yeah. first she shoves her, and then she grabs the jersey to pull her back. And so in that moment, like if she's already off center, she's gonna fall down, and she basically loses like, her footing and that goes. Combo's enough for a penalty, yeah, right? Absolutely. I also have a theory of this World Cup uh-huh. is that there are some moments that if if you know the laws of the game mm-hmm. are actually not controversial. They're just penalties. Yeah. But maybe for TV or mm-hmm. because people like debates on Twitter, yeah. it becomes a controversy because everybody has their opinions, not really about what happened, but almost like what the laws of the game should be. Yeah. I heard uh, the you most... can't change the mid-game. The most recent iteration of football, or like f- recent episode rather, of uh, Football Weekly from The Guardian had a very, I, I think it was that one, had a very interesting conversation about this where kind of their argument was that like years ago we would have this sort of debate about how if it's a, if it's a foul at midfield, it's a foul in the, in the penalty box and thus it's a PK. Yeah. And I think referees for a long time were kind of hesitant to make some of those big calls, especially early in the game. Well, can I guess the ending? Is it that VAR has made that true? Yeah, basically. That that a foul n- at midfield is a foul in the box because it's going to get seen. Exactly. Yes. And now you've got a bunch of eyes on it. And so I think the kind of conclusion was it used to be like we thought that maybe attackers were getting away with stuff or that we need a little bit more policing. And it turns out that maybe defenders were just kicking attackers a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Up steps Marta, mm-hmm. um, scores this comfortably. Yep. Marta making her first appearance mm-hmm. at this Women's World Cup because she was injured for the first game. Yeah. She steps up, no problem with the penalty, 1-0 Brazil. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the 27th minute. By the 38th minute, it's 2-0 Brazil. Another Cristiane Hedda. So that's mm-hmm. her fourth goal of the tournament. Um, I would argue, again, this is Australia being a little bit too open. Um, and specifically, the legs of Gielnik mm-hmm. were a little too open because she, get, she gets nutmegged, which is kind of what opens this whole thing up. Right? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I agree with that part. I, I have a hard time putting that on the entire team. I really do think it comes down to the whole point of like a pressing, like, like marking system yeah. is that you don't get beat. And she gets yes. very obviously beaten, and that then pulls everyone else out of position. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. Yeah, and then Dabinia exploits mm-hmm. the space, gets the cross in. Christiane with another one of those Cobra headers. Mm-hmm. 2-0 to Brazil. It's all looking good. Heading into half time. Australia pull one back. Mm-hmm. You'll never guess how their goal comes about, Taylor. <laughs> I'm going to guess they're looking for somebody in the middle. A bunch of crosses into the box. Yeah, yep. I think it's Carpenter, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be Gelnick. I'm not sure now. Uh, gets down the right. Swings in across to the back post. Sam Kerr gets there. Uh, pops it up. I think she's looking for Ford. It's headed clear. But Australia go again. They cross I feel like it. you're just trying to create a narrative that Sam Kerr is involved in this goal. Well, I think the, the plan is always like get, <laughs> yeah. cross the ball to Sam Kerr, uh-huh. right? Yeah, so that is plan A for sure. Um, for the uh, for the follow up, it's crossed back in, I think, by Elland Knight because it comes from the. Uh, uh, from it's from Yallop, I believe. It's from Yallop, mm. excuse me. Um, Yallop crosses it back in. And it's who's the player that meets at the, at the near post? Legarzo. Legarzo, who I think mm. was quietly really influential yep. in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, she pops it across to. Caitlin Ford. Yes, but this one I think is it's important because it's a fine finish from Caitlin Ford, but yeah. that header from Legarzo is fairly uncontested yeah. because there's a switch off between Marta and Formiga. Yes. Uh, which we think maybe contributes to potentially why there's some changes at halftime, but it's yeah. basically Marta thinks Formiga has Legarzo yeah, yeah. Uh, and so is looking at the ball, but as she kind of passes her off, Formiga is evaluating number one, where Sam Kerr is, yep. number two, where you, Ford is. Yeah, and so then she doesn't realize that sort of Legarzo is now her responsibility until uh, Legarzo. Was running past that's her. why she's a, sort of a step behind her as she's challenging yeah. for that for that first hand. Yes, yeah. And then, do you think it's any coincidence that it's 
Marta and mm. Formiga that then come off at half time. I don't like, is it is it punishment for this goal? Probably no. not with the profile of those players. I right? don't think so. I think for Marta, I mean we saw it in the build up to the first goal for Brazil. She's kind of lagging behind the play. Uh, and then I think you saw her be just a little bit slow at times in this game. It did feel like they were kind of managing her minutes. And then I think a lot of walking, right? A lot yeah. of Marta walking. And then for Formiga, she picks up the yellow card. It's her second yellow card of the tournament, which means she's suspended for the next game. So I think the argument the commentators were making is that you want to kind of have her replacement come in and get a half and get a little bit more familiarity and also let other players play because it's not uh, who is it who comes on at halftime it's Luana who comes on theoretically for Formiga but then I think Thaisa goes back and plays in Formiga's spot yeah like the def- deepest defensive midfield role spot yeah. yeah exactly and then Marta also coming off at halftime which Ludmila yeah which number 19 that one I mean they were both pretty surprising to me because with Formiga it seems like that's a player who you need to kind of conduct your midfield and hold things she's, down I think of her as the core of Brazil yeah and I think if a team's pressing you mm-hmm. she's exactly the type of calm, precise player yep. that you want in the middle of the field spraying balls around. Yes. Yeah, yeah and, and I guess also sort of like if you're going to have her be suspended for the next game, then if she picks up a second yellow, she's already suspended. Like, I don't know. Get it's, the most out of her in this game. It, that's yeah. what it feels like to me. I guess maybe then you're on the risk of her picking up yeah. a yellow card five minutes in, and then, then you're playing like uh, with only ten players for the rest of the half. But still... It seems like a, a gamble to make she's and not so, one that I think was a very smart she's one. She's smart enough not to get a second yellow, right? I would assume so. I, I, it sounds like we both have huge issues. What's the Brazilian's country? Vidal. Vidal. Huge issues with Vidal's mm-hmm. changes at halftime, yeah. right? Or maybe Marta did look tired, so maybe you bring her off. But I think there's an argument that Marta should never have started yeah. this game. Hundred percent. I think yeah? Marta. Let's start with that. Then. I think Marta starts because she's Marta. I think yeah. if it's another kind of very good, very talented forward who's not quite fit, they probably come on and play twenty to thirty minutes yeah. at the end of the game when they're fresh and the defense is decidedly mm-hmm. not. To have her start and then come off at halftime, not only does it kind of change up the rhythm a little bit, but also you're then sort of sacrificing a substitution that you might yeah. need for later on because there may have been a chance that if you don't start Marta, you can change things around a bit more, and maybe you're like, okay, I'll give her another like games rest, and then she'll be really good to go for the third game but when you kind of put her in but no she's not going to play you end up in a situation where you burn two subs at halftime and i double down on this so it's only one sub that has to be burned on mata right Mm -hmm. but it's it's a morale what's the opposite of a morale boost a morale drain Mm -hmm. to have this iconic player have to be subbed out. My, my response to that is which one? Cause, cause, Let, let's say Marta. Cause, yeah. So Formiga was maybe um, a weird tactical decision. Mm-hmm. The Marta thing, I'm arguing, I just want to focus on Marta. She should never have started. Because mm-hmm. if you're not fully fit, as you said, it's better to come on late. Yeah. Um, one, because it's a morale drain when she comes off and everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, no more Marta. And two, the result at the end is the most important result. Yeah. Right? So that's, that's when you should have Marta on the field. Well, right? but by that rationale, like, shouldn't every player play all of the game? Not if they're not fully fit, mm-hmm. right? If you know that she's not going to last the whole game, then use her at the end instead of at the beginning. I see. Yeah? Okay. Like I think strongest I think players I, on the end. I think I'm with you. Okay. But yeah, I, I'll say for me as a neutral, um, like I know we're trying to stick with Marta, but I would say when both of them came off, I instantly thought this is not good for Brazil. Yeah, and didn't you notice that, um, that Brazil had made a lot of these weird yeah. changes um, in the like the friendlies and the build-up to this? Like, yeah, and it's, and it's been part of the reason why I didn't have a lot of faith in this Brazil team. It's yeah. because Andressa Alves, for example, who does have to change position at halftime because of these changes, has been a player who's played five different positions 
positions yeah. in the last like five or six games. And she and, was killer on the right yeah. wing. She was really dangerous. Absolutely. And so you could argue like, oh, well, they're just trying to test her versati- versatility so she can be prepared for this. Oh, in the but, friendlies? That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. But, but my feeling is more so that like, no, they've just been trying to kind of rotate players around because it's been more or less the same 11 players, yeah. give or take a few. Um, and I th- it's felt more to me like he doesn't know where his best players fit. Yeah. And so it's been Vidal moving people around to see what happens. And this felt like more of the same. It's just kind of moving players around. Yep. And we'll hope it happens and hope it works out. And so here's the huge disruption as I see it. Um, the midfield, mm-hmm. in the three midfielders, because they went like a 4-3-3, right? So there's a defensive midfielder and like two, two eights or mm-hmm. maybe an eight and a ten. Think of much as a ten. None of those players that played in the first half come out in the second half in the same position. Yeah. It's an absolutely different uh, midfield setup. The player that's still there is Taser. Mm. She was the left centre mid. Now she's the central defensive mid, replacing Formiga. And then Marta's gone. Andressa's moved inside from the right wing, so she's the right centre mid. And then the sub Luana is the left centre mid. Right. I would argue that that much change in midfield mm-hmm. is not healthy at halftime. No. Yeah. Far too much. Yeah, I mean, and it also, like, really makes you take your foot off the gas because now you're, you're changing it up. You've got different people in different spots and you've basically got to start the second half with a completely different team. Yeah. And, and I think that's where you see Australia sort of come into their own. But also, it's no surprise to me then that the two goals Australia get are sort of fluke goals and sort of the fault of Brazil being a little bit stretched out and a little yep. bit all over the place. I would also say moving Andressa into central midfield is one of the reasons for that Lagazzo goal in the 58th minute. Right. We watched the build-up to this, mm-hmm. and Andressa received the ball twice yep. in space in central midfield, has room to go forward and like make a progressive pass which she would have in the first half when mm-hmm. she was on the right wing. She was going at people and opening things up. Instead, she goes backwards both times and almost puts Brazil in trouble both times. Yeah, and, and my assumption there is that she's been told, don't kind of get caught stretched out, don't get caught just playing the yeah, ball yeah. forward, we have the lead, just like maybe so, frustrate. Some more bad instructions from Vidal. Yeah, I think so, because I also <laughs> and think... And dress to do the opposite of what you're good at. Yeah, well, but also like do what worked for us in the first half, but with different personnel, because I think it's also probably play conservative, play it back, Australia are chasing, they're going to get frustrated, they're going to get overextended, then we can look to find space once they've kind of set numbers forward. But if you're being really slow and everybody's figuring things out because it's only 13 minutes into the second half of yeah, the new yeah. midfield, then you're maybe not going to take the gambles you would or not have the rhythms that you would otherwise. And maybe it's not a coincidence that when Lagazzo receives this ball in sort mm-hmm. of like a slightly interior right wing spot, mm-hmm. she is wide open, yep. right? It's like a flick inside from Gielnik. Lagazzo's just found all the space in the world. Mm-hmm. I would argue that if they had the same central midfield set up as in the first half, yep. Formiga organizing things, uh, that Lagazzo is not just wildly unmarked. Yes. Fair? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and then I also think the other element here that we've already talked about a little bit is the emphasis on Sam Kerr, not just yeah. from Australia, but from Brazil, that I think both of these second-half goals come about because the Brazilian defense is very worried about yeah. Sam Kerr. So this is this is a cross to Sam Kerr yep. that no one blocks because they're so focused on marking Sam Kerr. Pretty much. I mean, and you, it goes in. The cross goes in. You can see Monica, as the shot is being taken, slash cross is being attempted, Monica is checking checking where Sam Kerr is yeah. and thus loses a step or two. And I yes. think if she doesn't do that, if she just plays the ball, she's there to step across and just whack it clear. This is Monica captain and centre-back. Yeah. And at the same time, correct me if I'm wrong, in this situation, mm-hmm. her centre-back partner, um, Kathleen Souza, Kathleen, Kathleen mm-hmm. she's marking Sam Kerr. Yep. Sam Kerr's already marked. Yeah. And yet Monica is so 
worried about Sam Kerr, she forgets to just block the cross that's coming in. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what puts the goalkeeper off, right? Because yeah. then the goalkeeper's like, is this a cross? Is this gonna is Sam Kerr gonna get a touch? Yeah. And it just confuses her, Barbara, right? Um and then and then it goes in. And then it goes yeah. in. But yeah, but it's so it it definitely is that that I think she doesn't want to react too soon because there could be a touch from Sam Kerr. And then I think for this for the third goal, the winning the goal winning for goal. Australia. This is the controversial that goal that's not actually controversial. Yeah, I'd say I say that's fair. But again, it's Cristiana sort of like uh excuse me, it's Monica. Cristiana failing to, to step, but it's Monica failing to like really like kind of back herself, I think, because again, she's worried about Sam Kerr. She's trying to like mark a, mark a player, mark space, organize a defense, and like see when the ball is being played yeah. all at once. And so I think she kind of misreads the the ball in a little bit, and then is still concerned about Sam Kerr. So she then tries to make a play on it out of fear that Sam Kerr might make something happen. And if people haven't seen this, is Van Egmond who has mm-hmm. dropped into like a right backish role because Carpenter has gone forward, mm-hmm. receives the ball, and like you said, no pressure from Cristiano. Maybe she's tired. Like yep. she's in her mid thirties. It's late in the game. Another. Mm-hmm. Maybe a uh, Brazilian older generation player uh, that's not able to last 90 minutes yeah. doing everything. She subbed off not long afterwards, right? Um, Van Eggman goes deep, deep cross mm-hmm. for Sam Kerr, as Australia do, as we keep mentioning. And then, yeah, like you said, Monica, I, th- I think the key, you noticed this when we did the recording, is that she takes a position like she's set to head Yeah, it. that's what I'm saying, yeah. Uh, but then she goes a few steps backwards, mm-hmm. and, and that's the reason. But she's also thinking too much about Sam Kerr again. Yeah, I think so, especially because uh, Catherine Souza is marking Sam Kerr and yes, has her covered. Yeah, and I would say... Even 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 she, Kathleen Souza, has like a little bit too much emphasis on Sam Kerr because if she holds her position, she also might be able to just call Monica off of this yeah. one and get that head clear. But because she's worried about a player, she's again then not in the right position. So let's get to the controversy, not controversy. Sure. So um, Sam Kerr is in an offside position mm-hmm. as this ball comes in from Van Egmond. Yes. The player that is marking Sam Kerr, mm-hmm. Kathleen is not the player that attacks the ball. No. The player that attacks the ball is Monica. Mm-hmm. So she is not sort of... Um, Sam Kerr is not involved in play. go ahead and play. say tries to attack the ball, but tries yeah. Tries to attack yeah. the ball, but instead flicks it past her own keeper. Mm-hmm. Um, the the actual law is, because Sam Kerr is not interfering with Monica in any mm-hmm. way by not making a play on that, then it, there's no offside offence because Monica was free to head that ball. It's yeah. a defensive play that she makes, and therefore offside never comes into play. No, because uh, if you go with the IFAB rules that we yeah, previously which mentioned... Which are the laws of the game. Yeah, when it comes to be, becoming actively involved in the play, the third bullet point is the one that I think is the most applicable here. Uh, if a player is clearly attempting to play a ball which is close when the action impacts on an opponent, then they are deemed offside. Mm-hmm. In this case, Sam Kerr just being there is not clearly making a play on the ball. Agreed. And you could argue like that, okay, well, she's influencing and Monica has to worry about her. You and can thus, argue that, but that would not be within the laws of the game. That would not be within the laws right? of the game. So I, I talked to our mystery official who cannot be identified. <laughs> One day we'll name him, right? Uh, yeah, maybe. We'll yeah. see. And uh, his response was that there are two it's, ways it's to look Pierre at Luigi it. Uh, it's Pierre his, his response was there are two ways to look at it. It's not fair because you're punishing a defender for playing the ball. Or you're deciding not to bail out a defender who horribly misplays a ball just because there happened to be an attacker there. (laughs) And basically, the latter leads to uh, goals and attacking soccer, which might not seem fair. But if it's applied equally to both teams, which it is, then it's the definition of fair. So, yeah, I mean, it it might seem like, oh, well, maybe she did. But again, that's all kind of theoretical, whereas laws of the game indicate clearly attempting to play a ball. That's not what Sam Kerr was doing. Yep. Um, I think the argument here is don't be so scared of Sam Kerr. Yeah, I yeah. think so, but I think like the- have one player marker, but then Monica do your job. Fair, but I'm also <laughs> going to get up on my soapbox for a minute. I'm going to say I think oh, really? the other thing here is that like I I think. I've already mentioned them once, so I feel bad going back to it. But I think Fox's studio crew did not help with this because I think they're overly focused on the debate about should it be offside? Well, clearly she's offside. Well, clearly she's not offside. That's what gets eyeballs or gets attention. Yeah, I think so. But I also think it doesn't. I think people – 
I think people are smart, more or less. And I think that if you present things in a way that helps them better understand things, then they're more inclined to watch and they enjoy it more. So Fox should have just like put the iFab laws of the game on and explained why this was a goal. Yeah. As opposed to say, like, what do you think? What do you think? It doesn't matter what someone's opinion is. The laws are the laws, right? Yeah. yeah. But, but I, I also think I'm going to go a little deeper and say that you don't rent the space that they've rented in front of the Eiffel Tower and with this great view <laughs> and then have a screen block it so you can explain IFAB laws. And that's what you would do if you were in a studio. So I get why they don't do it, but I think... Can it, someone just get it on the phone and then you just zoom in? I mean, that would be fine. I would have no problem with that. But I wish they would do that because that's what Christina Uncle is there for and she's trying to explain it while it's happening in yeah. the moment and while the, the commentator is disagreeing with her. Oh, in the... the play, yeah. Play, yeah, yeah, and to be fair, Christina Uncle immediately said this is a goal yeah right she absolutely had it right mm-hmm. first time so respect to christina uncle for getting this yeah right. but but it's because in that moment she's trying to explain it the color commentator is talking the co- the commentator is talking but then we're getting the video of the referee evaluating yeah. we're getting replays there's so much happening didn't the color commentator just say well i disagree well, yeah basically <laughs> like and that's again that's my point is like if you don't it's your job to clearly convey the information so that the audience can understand what's happening yeah not to loudly argue with each other because it seems like it's what people want. <laughs> and that's that's my frustration. Well, speaking of changing but also, the also, that kind of cuts into our bread and butter. So maybe don't do that, speaking Fox. Speaking of... <laughs> yeah, we'll do the explaining. <laughs> exactly. And then Fox can do the controversy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, speaking of changing the laws of the game, yeah. we have listener questions mm-hmm. on the end of today's show. Five listener questions. We certainly do. And the ultimate one, the final mm-hmm. one is... What changes would you make to the laws of the game? I expect that to be an interesting conversation. I expect it will be, too. Because I don't know what yours are, and I'm really excited to find out. There you go. So we've got (laughs) listener questions, we've got scouting. We've also got one more game to discuss. But first, we should talk about today's sponsor, Wix. Our friends over at Wix. Wix. Wix could help uh, Save Fox build a website if they wanted to do an explainer for how VAR works and what is and isn't a correct offside call. You could do that using Wix. And they could just direct people there. Exactly. So Wix is a website hosting company that gives you total creative freedom. You have infinite design possibilities. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can make your website personal or informational. Exactly. (laughs) And they launched Wix Turbo, which means all sites uh, can be made faster. They load faster than ever. So if you're trying to get the information up quickly so that the audience can understand why (laughs) Sam Kerr wasn't offside, then you could do it even faster because of Wix Turbo. Yeah, so Rob Stone could just pull it up on his iPad. Money. That's all we need. Here it is. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or they could just project it out. They could project it out. All right. But enough about Fox. Uh How about to our own needs? I'll probably bring it back. I couldn't help noticing (laughs) that on the last Wix ad read, Mm. I started talking about what we'll be building a website. Mm -hmm. We'll be building a website using Wix for our new spin-off show, which we're launching basically after all the summer tournaments Mm -hmm. are over, right? So mid-July. And suddenly... I was cut off by quote unquote mm-hmm. technical difficulties. Yes. Is this a stonecutter situation? I mean, you were here for it. Yeah, <laughs> I know. There were real technical difficulties. Yeah, exactly. But it did sound like I'd said too much and you'd had me taken out. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think the ad got a little bit further down the road uh, and then we realized that our maybe slightly outdated software had required, caused us to lose yes, it. Yes, we've updated our audio software. We have. So yeah. now it should be back. But yes. Uh, Thank you, Audition 2019. Yeah, and you know it would never crash like that? Wix. <laughs> Because you get a reliable yeah. website with Wix. You certainly would. So uh, if folks want to use Wix, they could do so. And they can get started today for free at Wix.com slash TSS and apply the code TSS at checkout to get 10% off when upgrading to premium. So I'm going to repeat exactly what you said Let's and say it. that you can launch your website for free at Wix.com slash TSS. Basically, we get the credit if you go via Wix.com slash TSS. So make sure you visit that URL. Then when you upgrade to uh, premium, you get 10% off when you apply the code 
TSS. Mm-hmm. Thank you to Wix for sponsoring today's Total Soccer Show. If anyone at Fox is listening, you're welcome to use that promo code as well. You absolutely are. Uh, but we should stick with Fox, sort of, because they're the ones who are showing these games. And yes. we have one more game, which is South Africa, China. And we, I'll tell you what, we shouldn't complain too much about Fox. It is wonderful that every Women's World Cup game is 100%. fully on TV. This is very yeah. true. This is very so true. You are that. correct. All yeah. right. I take it back. I don't really. <laughs> let's talk. Let's not talk too long about China South Africa because right. my guess is that not that many people watch this game. There was one goal in it, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this person did over here, you and, did? I, and I would say that I, similar to France Norway, had a hard time staying truly locked in and focused on any this particular one. reason. Um, I mean, I, I think both teams like lacked a final product in the end i thought china were content to sit back a little bit more be a bit more defensive um and then sort of like probe for vulnerabilities but they didn't really commit numbers forward in the way that kind of would have opened the game up I see. And, I, and i felt like south africa for their part i saw a lot of really good build-up play where there were sort of quick transitions to counterattacks, but it was a lack of numbers committed forward on their part as well that like, they didn't was, want to overcommit yeah I, forgive me i can't remember the minute but there's one where like china have actually i think it was off of a corner have committed numbers in and South Africa have a great like uh, they play out of pressure they play it long they like connect and then it's just the final ball through it doesn't end up getting there the Chinese goalkeepers off a line and it's cleared but there were just these moments where it almost came through and it be- almost became that next level game yeah. it just really struggled to get there <laughs> in the very end well China did get the win they did first off goal from Li Ying mm-hmm. uh, cross from Zhang Rui um, this came off Li Ying Shin it did it did. Yeah, it, was a, it was a good cross. Mm-hmm. It looks a really good finish on first watch. It comes off a shin. I'm going to add this to the like the Wayne Rooney bicycle against Man City many, many years ago. Oh, it also came off as a, a goal, guard, right? as a goal that everybody loves except for Dale Grove. He's like, but he shin padded it. Come so, on now. Yeah, here's my argument. With Wayne Rooney mm-hmm. or with Li Ying, the, the idea is that when you go for the ball, mm-hmm. you're definitely going for it with your feet, right? That's what soccer players do. And then you're attempting to get some level of um, uh, control over what the ball does by what you do with your foot. There's no way you go for it with your shin guard. So this essentially, is, this is, this the is Rooney such goal, a defender's defense. The right Wayne here. Rooney goal <laughs> and this leading goal are an accident because it accidentally comes off the shin guard. Could not disagree more. Really? Could not disagree more. No, you you are taking such a defender's approach to this, which is like you must be trying to put your foot to it, and if you don't do that, then it's a bad goal. Versus, versus like no, you're trying to get any which, body part to it to put it in the net. All right, but it's more impressive to do it with your foot than with your. Yeah, shin. we're not talking about more okay. impressive though. We're talking about scoring a goal in the World Cup. I mean, I'm not, saying, I it think, should, I'm not saying it shouldn't count or yeah. anything. I'm just saying it shouldn't be massively praised. I mean, because it's kind of an accident. I think. I mean, I see that. I guess that's the difference: is that you think it's an accident because she didn't get her foot to it yeah i see it more so as it's a it's a threatening ball in but it's hit with a lot of pace and yeah. it's kind of leading while being marked trying to get to it and i think she makes an aggressive play to get a body part on it in a way that kind of surprises the defense and turns it into the goal so yeah. for me it's more so those are all facts it's just, so for me it's more yeah. about adaptability on the fly and being able to make something from what might have been nothing all right without getting too deep into this mm. i guess my thing is like how deliberate it is right and the, the direction that she puts on the ball is not deliberate because it just comes off mm-hmm. of shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. we, we will agree to disagree on that okay, one, yes. I, I think if you get any body part to it and you put it in the goal, All right. then I'll, it's intentional. I'll meet you tomorrow at noon for a duel. All right. Ten paces, turn and draw. And I guess mine will be, if it's close enough, then it's fine, and yours will be like, <laughs> I've got to hit perfect center mass, otherwise it doesn't count. I'm going to shoot you in the shin. <laughs> <laughs> it's also worth it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be as good of a, a shot then. It wouldn't That's be, how it, it works. Hurt. Yeah. <laughs> we should give credit to Zhang Rui, mm-hmm. who puts the cross in yep. for this. Um, she is in acres of space, yeah. maybe not literally, but it kind of feels like acres of space. But I think she's in acres of space 
because she makes a smart decision. Yes. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think because you're the one you're the one who spotlighted She's this She's a brain, that, not yeah, Shin. That I think in this moment, uh, China have the ball like out in the corner. Yeah. And it's, it really does become a 3v3 situation. And Zhang Rui kind of identifies that, drops in a little bit, and kind of keeps herself in space, but yeah. keeps herself away from any sort of potential defender. Yep. So when she picks up the ball, similar, I would say, to Van Egmond for the, uh, for the final goal for yeah, Australia. Yeah, it's a little closer to goal, but yes, I yeah, agree, but, yeah, but it sort of is like she has the time to pick her head up and then drive forward a little bit, yeah. then play that ball in. And aim for Li Yingxu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. That's so, what yeah. she was doing. <laughs> it's a sniper pass. So 1-0 to China. Uh, I'm just going to pull the groups up and take a quick look at what this does for us. Please do. Okay, so after the, the win mm-hmm. for uh, Australia yep. over Brazil, mm-hmm. they lost their first game, right? They did. Group C is weirdly interesting right uh-huh. now. Um, Brazil played two games and they're top with three points. Italy have only played one game, that win. They're second with three points. Australia are third with three points after two games. And Jamaica are bottom uh, with zero points. All right. Yeah. In, the, uh, in Group B, where China just beat South Africa... China is still third, level on points with Spain, but with um, an inferior goal difference. All right. So that's the groups as they are now. We'll see how they change tomorrow when we've got uh, Japan v. Scotland at 9 a.m., Jamaica, Italy at noon, England, Argentina at 3. So Japan v. Scotland, we'll see which team is willing to attack, which team comes out of the shell. That's going to be – I I am going to be very interested to see the passing completion percentage numbers (laughs) in that game. (laughs) My guess is Japan are under a bit of pressure after Mm -hmm. failing to beat Argentina. They got that very disappointing draw so maybe they'll come out a bit hot and mm-hmm. then Scotland can maybe exploit that like Cuthbert on the counter-attack that's yep. not necessarily a prediction but something to watch out for uh, Jamaica we don't I feel like I don't know enough about because mm-hmm. I didn't properly watch the Jamaica-Brazil game but if Italy managed to win that game they'll be in a very good position in their group because yeah. they'll be the only team with six points that, that, uh, would, that yeah. would probably do it at least for a passage to the next round not sure which spot but through to the next round for sure and then England-Argentina honestly Argentina obviously overperformed, mm-hmm. uh, surpassed expectations. It was a great result for them to get that 0 0 against Japan. I think England will put a few goals past them. I agree yeah. wholeheartedly. England yes. are in trouble if they don't. Yes. Not in trouble, but they'll be disappointed. If Again, they don't. I know it's not like the most popular narrative, but I think, yes, Argentina did a very good job defensively and fought for every ball as much as they could, but it was not an organized, everybody knows exactly their role and puts out the fire while Japan constantly attack. I think it was Japan's own sort of lack of willingness to throw bodies forward and really get after it that sort of limited some of their effectiveness in front of goal. I don't think England will have any such trepidation. And Japan didn't have Nikita Paris. Also that. So there's that. (laughs) All right, are you ready to move on um, to listener questions? I believe I am, my friend. We have five wonderful listener questions to answer. We certainly do. Um, The first one comes from Paul Nichols. Paul Nichols asks, it's a U.S. men's national team question. Gold Cup's coming. Paul Nichols asks, if you could clone one current U.S. men's national team player so we can have two of them on the field at once, who would it be? What positions would they play? And why? Okay. Who are you cloning, Taylor? Uh, f- I'm gonna, first off, I do have an answer for just the men's team, but I would say if I could take this to just U.S. soccer level, Julie Ertz is my answer. <laughs> I want holding midfielder Julie Ertz, center back Julie Ertz, and then maybe one can deputize for the other if the other is injured. <laughs> so that's my answer for U.S. soccer as a whole. For the U.S. men's national team in particular, I'm 99% sure that you're going to say Tyler Adams, so I did not I'm, say Tyler Adams, so you could. There's an argument to be made for Christian Pulisic because yeah. then he could be a number 10 and play wide. Or he could play on both wings. But you know who I'm saying? Yeah, imagine a Pulisic on the left and Pulisic on the right. That That's would be not fine too. Answer. It's not my answer. My answer is John Brooks. Who, John Brooks. Because first of all, similar to the old adage of like a Jaguar, you need two so that while one's in the shop, you can have the other one good to go. Oh, the John, Jaguar cars. John Brooks is... <laughs> Often injured. Yes, yeah, yeah, the Jaguar. Often in the show. Yes, I should have said Jaguar, and then you would have been fine. Is Jaguar. that how it works? Yeah. 
You Brits. Uh, but yes, that way, like when one is injured, the other one can still play, and we have yeah. a reliable center back. But what if when you make the clone, the same uh, injury problems transfer over? Yeah, but it's fine. Would you like edit, out, edit it out in the DNA somehow? First of all, no, I'm, this is in Gattaca. <laughs> uh, but, se- but second of all, uh, <laughs> he, he'd never save enough for the second half. That's a, is that a deep Gattaca cut? Or do you get That's that? a deep Gattaca cut. But you've seen it, right? Yes, but not recently enough to get it. Or but he, I still recognize the humor. He'd go forward on counterattacks, and he go. wouldn't save enough to come back. There we are. <laughs> now I'm with you. Nerds, the both of us. Uh, anyway, this is our Gattaca spinoff show that we're going to be doing. We're going to be doing one minute of Gattaca as an episode. We're going to break it down like that. Don't tempt me. Oh, I, I will not tempt you with that because I am not the biggest fan of that format. Um, anyway, so but I think also because if you have two fully fit John Brookses, yeah. I am – Genuinely tired of having the conversation of like, it's John Brooks and, and then a list of 15 names. I just want two center backs and I want them both to be John Brooks. Can we make the clone right footed? Yes, that's then it fine. fulfills that's my, fine. my wish to have a left footed and a right footed center back. You're all about gene editing and I don't know really what to take of that, but that's fine. Yes. I mean, I think so. That's one. I think, and then really it's a toss up for me between Christian Pulisic, Tyler Adams, and John Brooks. What, can we ask, what would we do with two Christian Pulisics? I, I, I really would go one on each wing. I, I think I would put one as number 10. Yeah. One is on the wing so that we could see when when the winger... <laughs> who does the best and we'd solve the debate forever. It's not who does. It would be when the winger does way better, then we put both of them out wide. And then that's settled <laughs> as well. So you thought my answer would be Tyler Adams? Yes. My answer is Tyler Adams. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Not so... And not, I would say this, because that is the answer. It is, right? Yes. You think the, so you yes. think that's the answer, but you... Knew you, you were going to do it, so yes. You're such a good co-host. <laughs> I, I thank, do my best. Thank you so much. So, yeah, Tyler Adams, one, we need a spare, as yeah. we learned during this Gold Cup. Yeah. If people haven't heard yet, Tyler Adams is off the Gold oh, Cup roster. I kind of forgot about that. He's been replaced by Reggie Cannon. If, if anyone is wondering why my audio maybe just sounded differently, it's because I leaned back in my chair and stared at the ceiling for a moment. <laughs> yeah. yes, yes. And I would also argue, maybe even bigger than the should Pulisic be a winger mm-hmm. or a number 10 conversation, is the should Tyler Adams be the number six or should Tyler Adams play that sort of hybrid right back moving to midfield role? Yeah. And what if we could do both? Mm-hmm. What if we could do both? Because then imagine you could have Tyler Adams all his energy at right back and sometimes he would be overlapping and getting crosses in. You still have that number six guy uh, cleaning up any trouble um, and, you know, really active defensive midfielder who puts pressure on the ball all the time. Mm-hmm. And then when they move in together into central midfield, when the US moves over the halfway line, you've got two Tyler Adams as yep. your two, your base two central defensive midfielders. I love it. We would always counter-press and always win the ball. Perfect. No one would ever get back past over the halfway line. Oh, I want this to happen now. Yeah. Can we make this happen? Can we make Gattaca real? We can <laughs> Is this possible? What else do we do? We do like the technology. We'd have, to, we'd have to get Tyler Adams to sign some sort of permission form. Spoiler alert for Hugh Jackman's part of the prestige, but maybe we could get that machine and then we could just keep him pumping out because I do think we had the question a long time but ago. Let's not do what Hugh Jackman does to his clones. No, let's probably not do that. <laughs> I'm against that. Make them all star on Broadway. <laughs> um, um, but I do think that Tyler Adams, we had the question a while ago. Uh, if we could have one player like play all eleven positions for yeah, a team, yeah. who would we go with? And I think my answer, my answer for most of these questions has been Arturo Vidal. Yeah, yeah. I think we might be moving on to Tyler Adams. That I think if there's like, right. one American player who I can have play oh, the Ameri- all eleven positions, the American Vidal. Yes, I think that's what he is, and that's what I'm <laughs> calling him now. And he needs a mohawk and more tattoos. <laughs> so there we go. There Our we answer are. is definitely Tyler Adams. All right, one more question. Uh, actually, several more there's questions. Four more but questions, buddy. One more to come. Uh, Raymond Hando, is there any way Greg Berhalter no is fired? No, if the Gold Cup results no or unsatisfying no i think yes okay if we but they'd have to be really unsatisfying here's Mm. my example if the u.s doesn't get out of the group stage at the gold cup against guiana panama trindan tobago Mm -hmm. 
I think Greg, there's a there's a really good argument for Greg Berhalter getting fired. The only way I I, I see that happening, I, I would agree with you that maybe if we don't get to the group yeah. stage. So is there any way then? Yes. But I think it would require very bad performances. And I yeah. don't mean like 8-0 in every game. I mean really struggling and like maybe only getting a point against Guyana and then getting beaten handily by our two remaining opponents. Maybe then. Yeah. But I think even if it was like didn't get out of the group but got a win against Guyana and kind of struggled to a draw and then were beaten in the last minute. Oh, so you like, say it's got to be didn't get out of the group and looked awful doing Yeah, so. like okay. basically I think sh- like almost to the point of like the players are in mutiny and that's what's going wrong here. Like, yeah, yeah. like, like remember uh, the, in my New Zealand preview that like half the t- – or like 12 players or whatever said we will not play under this coach? Like yeah. something like that maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> coming out of the Gold Cup, that would do it. But I, I think the United States – has invested, quote-unquote, too much time in the process. So it's, it's worth thinking about this. Greg mm-hmm. Bellhart has a contract through the 2022 World yep. Cup. So that's till December 2022. You get an extra six months these days, right? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, of I that, forgot about right? that. So December 2022. And we don't know how much he's paid. Mm-hmm. Like US Soccer, really, because they're a, like a non-profit, they have to release their financial information. At some point, we'll yep. know what Greg Bellhart's salary is. Mm-hmm. Um, we know Klinsman's was like 3 or $4 million a year. We know when Bruce Arena took over, or I know, I looked up today, mm-hmm. it was 900000 Yeah. So I would guess that Bellhart's on around Bruce Arena money. Yeah. Right? Like maybe three quarters of a million a year, something like that. It would be quite expensive to fire him because a lot of times when you fire a coach, it essentially means you have to pay him off. Yeah. So I, we'd I also, have to pay off three years. It'd be maybe two to three million dollars to pay off Greg Berhalter. I agree. But I also yeah. think that that probably wouldn't be the biggest concern. I think U.S. soccer would be able to. Well, they're already still paying Jurgen Klinsmann. This is true. <laughs> but that's why I kind of feel like eh, maybe it wouldn't be that as big of an issue as I think Carlos Cordero. It's not as though he was the consensus pick to, for U.S. soccer presidency. The kind of favored candidate was Kathy Carter heading into those elections. And I say that only to say that it is not as though things have been a smashing success under Carlos Cordero, that we still have the, I guess, animosity is the term I'm going to use between the Federation and the women's national team. And there's still a lawsuit there. And then the United States. Lawsuit is the term I would use. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) exactly. Um, And then you have like the United States failing to qualify for the World Cup, which obviously was not under Carlos Cordero. But since then, you have the year of indecision about who's going to be the coach. So when you finally finally have a coach who doesn't perform, I think there's there would be hesitation because all of a sudden it's like, oh, everything is just in free fall under this guy. And then maybe Carlos Cordero gets a little bit nervous about these things. So I have a feeling like it would be more of a – it would be a very bad look for the person that, again, we spent a year, quote-unquote, searching for to now basically not be working out. So I think they will hold the trigger as long as they possibly can. So you're saying group stage – don't get out of the group stage of the Gold Cup and look terrible doing so. Yeah. So worst case scenario, or, or, or like players actually coming out and saying like yeah. we won't play for this anymore. So, okay, so they make the quarterfinal mm-hmm. but lose, and then players revolt. Yeah. Or yeah, but yeah. That's not really realistic, right? I don't think so. Because honestly, I know performances haven't been good, but the players seem fully bought into the Greg Berhalter system, which is a positive. I mean, they don't seem not bought into it. Yeah. Is, I guess the best. The, yeah. yeah. So I, I think this he, Gold Cup's gonna be fascinating because we just have a real read on where we're at after this Gold Cup. I think so. Yeah, I, it, it's I hope t- so. It's telling to me that I don't necessarily know if that's true or not, but I hope <laughs> it's true, and I'll agree with you there. But we'll be very surprised if it ends with the Berhalter fire. Yes. And it also shouldn't, right? You should be supporting Greg Berhalter, mm-hmm. hoping the US does well, Yes, hoping that there's not even a question of him being fired. No. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I would agree. All right, I'm glad we're on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, we have three more questions. I just want to add, because, oh, we have this more is, because I don't think this, this is not Greg Berhalter's fault. I want to put, make that very clear. 
that What's right it? now the the situation with the U.S. men's national team, like he is he has inherited the U.S. men's national team. I would say at one of the weakest points in terms of depth of that roster. That if you start going down, even the strongest positions we have fairly quickly, yeah, you're looking at like, people that are not that. Convincing. It's like an injury to Altidore, Pulisic, and Adams, and suddenly we're yeah. pretty thin. Yeah, and, Bradley as well, and that's not his fault. Yeah. And and it is him trying to implement a system that I think yes, he probably could have done if he'd had another six months or a year and been hired kind of right yeah. away. But he wasn't, and again, that's not his fault. So mm-hmm. it's it's frustrating in the moment, and I think he's he's not even getting that much blame. I think unless it's, he said, "I want to finish out this season with Columbus Crew," in which case it is his fault that he didn't take the job until December 2018. Yeah, there's that thing. Okay. Then that does change yeah, things. Yeah. You're, you're right, but I just I, I don't want it to sound like I'm saying like I think he should be fired, and but I think it won't happen. It's yeah. more of a no like things that Tyler. You yeah, guys, okay, cool, cool, cool. Then there we are. <laughs> but I don't think he should be, and I hope he's not. Three, yeah, because if he's mm. not fired, it means things are going really well. There right? it is. So let's let's stick with that. Mm. <laughs> Three more questions on today's show, and another advertiser. Um, how are your eyes doing, Tyler? Can you read the ad copy? They can. They oh, can well, indeed. You, you don't need contacts. Do I you? do not need contacts. Oh, lucky you. Lucky you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm those, very those lucky of, me because I'm scared of touching my eyeball. The, those of us that do need contacts mm-hmm. are very glad that Simple Contacts are sponsoring today's show because it's the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. It's Vision Care for the 21st century. And I remember on our last Simple Contacts ad read, we couldn't remember the proper name for the eye doctor. Mm-hmm. Ophthalmologist. Yes. Is what we now know it is. Yes. Because, I'm proud of us for Because you that. have it in front of you on the copy. I mean, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how I know things. Simple Contacts that's, has... That's what I do. I read and I know things. Simple Contacts has all the brands and types of lenses you're familiar with, so you never have to shop around to find your lenses at the best price. It's also reliable because it's designed by doctors and licensed ophthalmologists who review every test carefully to make sure your eyes look healthy and that your vision hasn't changed. So this is the part of Simple Contacts that is arguably the most innovative, Mm -hmm. is that you can renew your prescription online without visiting an actual ophthalmologist, which is kind of expensive to Mm -hmm. go see one of those people. Um, Instead, you can use the app or the website um, to do the vision test, get your prescription renewed. It's it's examined by a a real ophthalmologist. It's only $20 to do the vision test as well. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, They let me do it for free. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's twenty dollars. Um, so then you get your prescription renewed, and then you can order your contacts. Or if you've got a current prescription, you can just order your contacts anyway mm-hmm. via Simple Contacts. There we are. And best of all, they're offering a promotion to uh, TSS listeners. Uh, they can get twenty dollars off by using the promo code TSS twenty. You go to simplecontacts.com/tss twenty or enter the code TSS twenty at checkout to get twenty dollars off. So there are two ways in. There are two ways in. Two ways in. in. Simplecontacts.com slash TSS20 or use the code TSS20 for $20 off your contacts. Mm, This is, uh, just a quick reminder, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam, but it is a way to get $20 off your contacts and get those contacts sent to your door. Uh, Shipping is already included in there, so you get them sent to you nice and easy, and you're on your way. And you stick them in your eyes. That's how it works. That's the part you don't like, I believe. Yes. No, I do not. (laughs) No, I do not. (laughs) Thank you, Simple Contacts. And thank you, Elliot Barr, Mm -hmm. for sending us a question. Elliot Barr, host of the River City 93 podcast. It's our rival Richmond Kickers podcast. Mm-hmm. It is indeed. We're in a turf war with Elliot Barr. <laughs> and Elliot asks, uh, I was wondering why <laughs> aren't... really, it's friendly. Mm-hmm. Why aren't more U.S. women's national team players overseas playing in Europe instead of the NWSL? Is there any particular reason behind that? Yes, there is. There is indeed. The reason that most U.S. women's national team players stay in the NWSL is that they have those subsidized contracts, mm-hmm. right? So there are, what, 22 spots in the NWSL where U.S. soccer will pay the salary um, of U.S. national team players, which means they're paid above and beyond what other players are paid 
in the NWSL. Mm-hmm. So essentially, because of that, um, in England with cricket, we call it central contracts. Because of that central contract system, players like Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino can make a really good salary playing in the NWSL because US soccer is paying them directly. Mm-hmm. That's why they don't go overseas and risk that salary, essentially. If it's 22, are we assuming that it's like the third string goalkeeper who maybe doesn't get it's, it subsidized? So I was looking into this today for this mm-hmm. question. It used to be 23, and uh-huh. US soccer dropped it by one to 22. Really? Yeah. So I actually don't. There is a really? list of players. I don't have the list of players in front of me. But there's. So it stands to reason there's 22. Yeah. Then there's at least one player on the roster, on the US World yeah. Cup roster, that isn't uh, doesn't have a central contract. I would agree with but that. But they're probably on the upper end of the NWSL salary, right? Yes. Yeah. But still, but it's not quite. <laughs> you, you should just yeah. do the whole squad. Come on now. <laughs> I would argue you should do more than the whole squad. But yes, you know, r- yeah. I guess I'm not in charge of the finances, so uh-huh. it's easy for me to say. Yeah. So I mean, that's the reason, right? Mm-hmm. And I think also there's an additional. It's not official, but I think there's definitely a thing of if you play in NWSL, there's a better chance of you getting picked. Right? Yeah. Like Alex Morgan can go on loan to Leon, like out of NWSL season, but she kind of usually comes back for the NWSL. Yes. Yeah? Do you think one of the reasons, I just read this, do you think one of the reasons why they drafted is because Christian Press plays in Sweden? Oh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Like, they're like, as long as oh, she's so that involved. is the player, right? Yeah, yeah. I would assume so. Yeah. Uh, unless there's like two or three because yeah. someone else made the roster. But yeah, but that's I was, very possible. Yeah, but because that. that I, I went there by thinking, because if you are a player who maybe wants to play, like could play in NBSL, but you're going to go try your talents abroad, there's a chance that maybe you don't end up getting minutes or things don't quite go your way, or maybe a team can't afford to pay you as much as they could in NWSL. So unless you're maybe going for the experience of it, like I think Carly Lloyd and Crystal Dunn did, then or an Alex Morgan, yeah. then I think it's it's safer to stay in the country, know you're going to get called up to the national team, and know your salary is going to be paid. The other thing is it may be a bit of a sacrifice, right? It may be I want to grow women's soccer in the United States, mm-hmm. and I'm... I have a high profile because I'm a U.S. Women's National Team player. So I can do that by playing for this club in the NWSL. Mm-hmm. And like, I'm a draw. People will come and see me. Their gates will be higher. So it's about like maybe a commitment to NWSL. As long as it's not sky blue. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> They're trying. Mm-hmm. They're doing better, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's my answer to that question. Do you have any other reasons why uh, Women's National Team players would play in the NWSL? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think that there's an element of they want to be in the areas that they want to be. And I think yeah. NWSL has shown a willingness to allow for that. So yeah. Crystal Dunn. Sydney LaRue. Well, I mean, yeah, Crystal Dunn wants to be in North Carolina. She, they yeah. find a way to help her get to North Carolina. I yeah. think Carly Lloyd wants to be in New Jersey. They find a way to get her to New Jersey. So yeah. I think there's also a little bit of an accommodating atmosphere within NWSL for Yeah, sure. that makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Leon won't move their whole team to Probably not. Carly Lloyd's hometown. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> The weather's better in Leon. Yes. <laughs> Ready for the next question? I am. All right. Next question comes from Alexander King. Mm-hmm. What, if anything, can be done to decrease referee abuse? Yes. Ooh. It's a big one. And it's one that I thought a lot about, but kind of all my answers end up being a little bit victim blaming because it was like, my initial one was like, they should have noise canceling headphones at all times so that the players just know the ref can't hear them. And oh, then it kind brilliant. of, but then also it removes. Then they won't hear what the players are saying to each other, right? Yes. And also won't be able to hear a lot of stuff, including like, <laughs> oh, I clearly heard contact on a shin. That's yeah. a penalty or anything like that. Well, can I back this up a little bit? Are we talking about abuse from players or abuse from the public? Uh, I think kind of my answer is both, but mostly players on the okay. field. Because do you agree that uh, referees, uh, basically you see them getting yelled at a lot by players in a way that seems kind of unacceptable? Yes, but 
interesting you bring that up because, again, this is why I was talking to the uh, the mystery official earlier. Yeah. He said, Senor Kalina. referee abuse at youth level is worse than at pro level. Um, it looks worse on TV because the only time they th- show the ref is when they do something controversial and are getting yelled at. Mm. I, uh, he says, I think there should be fines for surrounding the referee at professional level. Refs can't give cards for it and that, because if they do, then they ruin the pro game. But a fine would help. It's tough to define what is excessive and what is legitimate, though. But I think mm. the argument is basically, for the most part, players are respectful until they're not and that's when you have these kind of very controversial moments and that's what gets shown on TV but I think his point is more so that at youth level because people see that and think oh that's what you do yeah. you have more people screaming at the referee throughout the entire game so I would disagree with that referee friend that mm. I, I think it would be worth the short term pain of ruining a couple of like, really high profile games by refs really enforcing that thing of if players um, are sort of abusive to them or mm-hmm. are surrounding them Dish out a bunch of cards. Here's my response to that: is that they tried it, and I think this is what I mean when I say Did that. They? Like I thought about a lot. Yeah, remember it was like two Premier League seasons ago that the referee started giving yellow cards for dissent, oh, yes, yes, and yes. then that f- petered out very quickly. And I think again, like I'll, that was one of my thoughts until I realized the reality is that the league's just going to be like, no, you can't do that anymore. Like that's that's not how we want these games called. We'll find officials who will call it the so right essentially way. Essentially, the referee, the league is valuing the product of the game more than the yeah. the referees. I think so. Because, yeah. I mean, I think that, like, think about La Liga as an example. Like, not trying to pick a fight or say that it's worse than anything else, but, like, you have Real Madrid and Barcelona. If you have Barcelona players surround a referee and he gives all of them cards, Barcelona's board is going to take issue with that. There's going to be a very strong reaction to that, and I think mm-hmm. eventually there's going to be pressure and the referees just got to kind of go back to the norm. So I think maybe better education and better systems in place at youth level maybe kind of dissuades players at a younger age and persuade and dissuades parents from getting involved and he he did mention that as well that some of the like silent weekend things that they that they've done at youth Is that level where have worked. The parents aren't allowed to say anything? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea a lot. I like that <laughs> idea quite a bit. And I do like the idea of fines after the game because I think if you yeah. sort so you of don't have impact a, the game but you punish the player afterwards. Exactly. Yeah. And if you kind of have a sliding scale of like hey, it was maybe on like the one side of a one to ten, then maybe it's like a verbal warning and then if it happens again, then there's a fine versus a ten being like fifty thousand dollars or something <laughs> yeah, how like big that. Should the fines be like a percentage of wages maybe? Yeah, probably I think that's probably the best it? way, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like Fifty percent of your salary, maybe I mean, for one week, if you really go at a referee. That'd be a big one. That'd exactly. Be a big yeah, one. deliberately. Yeah. yeah, and then maybe the, that money goes into uh, officiating courses, and then you kind of incentivize referees right in front. There we go. go. And then suddenly it's a whole corrupt system. You're a genius. You've created a, you've created a whole system. <laughs> Is that a self-sustaining economy? No, yeah, I haven't. But kind of. According to Mac and Charlie, that's a self-sustaining economy. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. Um, up next. It's an ad. Mm-hmm. It's it is. one of our old friends. It is. It's Away Days. It is. We love awaydaysfootball.com. They are the purveyors <laughs> and suppliers and providers of the mystery kit. Of the mystery kit. Uh, the mystery kit is a way for you to uh, maybe like rep a random team, rep a random club, uh, maybe like get more excited about random teams around the planet, or just look very cool because you've got like a, a super cool esoteric jersey that you're <laughs> sporting at all times. So it is literally what it sounds like, right? Mm. It's $25 or less if you use the TSS mm-hmm. discount, and you get a mystery kit, as in you don't know what it's going to be till it arrives at your door. The only thing you do know is it won't be Barcelona it won't be mm-hmm. Real Madrid it won't be Arsenal it will be I think using the examples that we got a really good example I got Real Oviedo mm-hmm. which is a club I kind of like now just because I got that jersey um, <laughs> Olympiacos yeah. um, you got I believe Benfica and River and River mm-hmm. alright so this is good examples of clubs that you could get through the mystery kit 
Uh, the mystery kit system. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, and then they, they do have the one for like slightly larger clubs for a slightly larger fee, and you can maybe get one of the bigger teams, but with that, you can also then say, like, I don't want this team, because yes. if you're a fan oh, of Man United, you probably don't want Man City. So that's the 2018-19 mystery mm-hmm. kit. So it's $40 for 2018-19, so you're guaranteed for it to be um, a current year, yep. but it also could be a bigger team, unless there's one you don't ask for. Yes. Yeah. So the, the example is always like, if you're a Man United fan, you can say, I don't want a Liverpool kit. Yeah. Thank you very much. I don't mm. want a Manchester City kit. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you can also get, what, 15% off mm-hmm. if you use the discount code TSS at awaydaysfootball.com. Mm. TSS for 15% off. And it's worth remembering, Away Days Football is an independent soccer clothing company. It is essentially a guy in Boston that started a soccer clothing company um, and has made a big success of it. There we are. So thank you very much to awaydaysfootball.com for sponsoring today's show and giving our listeners 15% off. They should take advantage before the new season is upon us. And that way, if you're maybe looking for a new team to root for, a new league to get into, or maybe the Women's World Cup has inspired you to get into more soccer, I think... He was asked about maybe adding like women's options. We'll see if that comes to fruition. Yeah, he said I think he's working on it. Yeah, the same, the same for national teams as well. It's totally hard to get, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people couldn't even get their U.S. women's national team jerseys yep. in time for the World Cup because U.S. soccer and other providers were not getting them out in time. Sigh. Yeah. But away days is great, even if maybe <laughs> other providers of jerseys are not. <laughs> Ready for another question? Yes, sir. It's possibly a long one. Mm-hmm. It's the one I teased at the top of the show. Matt Koss has asked us, if you could redesign, add, or eliminate any rule in soccer, what would you do? So you've got ultimate power. What would you do? All right, mine is very minor, but I'm good with it being minor. Okay. So you share it. It's like you and I tend to try. I think actively try not to have like really strong opinions about any particular thing, just because if like we don't like this system and then the team keeps playing it, it's not really fun to spend every episode being like, "Ugh, this system is bad." So we. Avoid some of those feelings. This is one that increasingly has been more and more like it annoys me every time I see it. And it's throw-ins, specifically where the throw-in is taken. More and more often I'm noticing how often the ball goes out of bounds at one spot and the throw-in is taken 20 yards up the field. I don't like it. I don't like it, Daryl. So my rule I'm putting into place is failure to take a throw-in within five yards of where the ball goes out of bounds is forfeiting the throw-in. And it can be like that can be a VAR thing if we want to put that in there that like the goal comes back because you were 10 yards too far up the field. Or it can just be a thing that we don't have to tell you about but we can police it when we see it. So what happens now? Nothing. Like if, so didn't it was Venezuela, right? Yeah. They took a throw in like 20, 30 yards yep. farther from where it was. So they got away with it, right? Mm. But if they'd taken that and the ref was like, no, 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 no. They just send them back to where they were. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so your change would be you'll see, you would lose the right to take that if, throw in. If the you take it. it. Yeah, the referee doesn't have to remind you that you need to back up. If you yeah. start, what, what you'll see, I think the only time you ever really see it is when the player gets the ball, goes to the line, and then slowly starts like walking down the field looking yeah, for the yeah. throw. And eventually they've walked like 20 yards. Yeah. And then the ref will do like the beep, 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 and makes them back up a little bit. <laughs> but even then, it's never all the way back to where that ball went out of bounds. So the rule now is if you do a foul throw, say like you step on the field or yep. whatever, then you forfeit the throw the Correct. other team takes yep. it. So you would essentially make um, encroaching or advancing yeah. beyond. You would make that a foul throw yep. so that then the other team gets it. You're damn right I would. Yeah. And a yellow card. How about yeah, that? Sure. You want to throw that in there as well? If you do it twice, it's a yellow card. If you yes. do it twice yes. in the same game, yeah. it's a yellow card. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about law and order today. It seems that way. <laughs> Have you got any other uh, changes you would make? Oh, I mean, I, we can, I, can, I can spit a few out, but, okay. but, but let's, let's, let's see what you've got on tap first. So mine's a Daryl classic. Mm-hmm. It's one that I'm kind of committed to. Yeah. Um, it's not... If you are fouled in the box, you have to take the penalty. All right. I've, I've already died on that hill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been resurrected and I've gone to another hill. Uh-huh. Um, it's my offside one. 
I would like to change the offside law so that it favours the attacking team. Mm -hmm. And what I would do is make it so that you are only offside if there is clear daylight between you and the last defender. All right. So this means that if you just manage to like... If if your whole body is beyond the last defender, but if you've got like a toe just dragging behind and it's level with the last defender, you're still onside, Mm -hmm. right? If you go a little too far forward and suddenly you can see clear daylight between the last defender and you then you're offside. So this favours the attacking team. It would lead to loads and loads more goals. Okay. Yeah. And it still enforces the original spirit of offside, which is essentially to stop people goal-hanging behind the defence, right? You still can't go and stand 10 yards behind the defenders. You, you still have to like, be somewhat level with the defensive offside line, mm-hmm. but you can get away with it a lot more. So would you be okay with the idea that it, like, it definitely favors the attacker then? Yeah, that's okay. the point of it. That's why I want it is because it favors the attackers more than the defenders. Because now the offside, law right, the offside mm-hmm. law right now is used as a weapon by defenses to stop attackers doing anything, right? right? Which wasn't really the original intent of it. The original intent was just to stop people going and standing next to the goalkeeper so mm-hmm. that you could just play long balls at them. Yeah, but I mean, but that's not the way it is anymore. I guess, I guess my, my, my hesitation for that is just that like right now, Given the changes to like the way handball is being interpreted plus VAR, I feel like we're already seeing things move in the direction of favoring the attackers, yeah. favoring more goals. That's why I think this is a realistic possibility in the next twenty years. All right, I, I feel like my, that's just, but that's my hesitation is that I feel like it would be sort of suddenly it's all about the attack and it makes it all, like impossible to defend. I, I would equate it almost with like yeah, the kind would of have crit- to readjust. Yeah, but that's my point is yeah. I feel like I would equate it a little bit with the criticism people have of the NFL where suddenly it's very difficult to be a cornerback because lots of stuff gets called for interference that maybe didn't used to get called and now it really favors the offense and you have way higher scoring games yeah. but it makes it really difficult to play defense but this is the history of soccer right is that they slowly um, over the last mm-hmm. 30 40 years have tried to make the game more attacking yeah. right like the the back pass rule where you could no longer pass it back to the keeper and he could pick it up um, this new rule where you can pass the ball into your own box and people can receive it these are quite major changes yeah. that make the game better to watch i would argue that changing the offside law in this way is a similarly um um, aesthetically pleasing more attacking change yeah i think that's probably true i'm not i'm not even opposed to it i think that my like where my head goes though is like like the one you just mentioned about like the pass inside the box yeah which is new like this june right Yeah. yeah but i think it's really easy with those types of rules because it's just like that is legal now you can do this yeah i think like whenever you take a thing that's already very nuanced and difficult to explain and sort of understand in the moment yeah and then you add more nuance to it, which is what I would say that is, it makes it a little bit harder for me to get my brain around, basically, because it feels like more of a thing that's going to lead to more consternation and criticism and confusion. Luckily, Matt Cost gave me authority uh-huh. to make All the right. change that I wanted to make. There we go. And don't have to run it past you. All right, there or we go. Or even the stonecutters at iPhone. There we go. And thank you to Matt for that question. Um, if you want to ask us a question, the URL is totalsoccershow.com slash questions. I will say we do get a lot. Mm-hmm. We do get a lot of questions, so we can't answer all of them. Especially right now. we got a, we yeah. got a lot of stuff going on and we, more to come. Yes, and we also we do the $10 a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you subscribe at $10 a month, we guarantee to answer one listener question a month. We may fail this month because yeah. we've been really taken up with the Women's World Cup mm-hmm. and the Gold Cup's about to start and the Copa America's about to start um, and so on. Mm-hmm. We will get to all those questions in the future or at least we'll try really, really hard. We will indeed. We will indeed. <laughs> uh, same thing goes for scouting, although scouting reports have backed off a little bit, but we have some to get to yeah. today. Most of the players are on vacation. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's a good point. And I think I appreciate that people have uh, not just reported, like, they're linked with this team today. Because yeah, yeah. that 
could be a lot of reports. Uh-huh. Uh, but the, the Sun newspaper would not be helping us there. Right? It would not. Publishing no. endless transfer rumors. So we've got a few to get to, starting with Matt Koss, scouting Lucas Oh, Matt Koss again. Mm-hmm. It's an accident. 22-year-old French midfielder for Lyon. Uh, Lucas's club future at Lyon is still uncertain, with countless rumors linking him to clubs in Serie A and the Premier League. However, his national team future was solidified when he was picked for France's U21 roster for the European Championships this summer. I forgot there's an under-21 European Championship as well. There's a lot going on. All right, we'll cover every game of that as well. Incorrect. <laughs> um, Anthony Smith is scouting Gonzalo Guedes, the 22-year-old Portuguese left winger for Valencia. I know what he did. Um, <laughs> Anthony says, Guedes scored the only goal in the UEFA Nations League final, giving Portugal the win over the Netherlands. In the 60th minute, Guedes played Bernardo Silva in towards goal. Silva laid the ball back off to Guedes, whose powerful shot from the top of the box just got past Silison to give Portugal the win. Ladies and gentlemen, your UEFA Nations League champions are... Portugal. Mm-hmm. Who saw that come in? Portugal. I guess maybe. And they also hosted the final tournament. So maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe we should have seen that come in. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, Todd Ido scouting Takafusa Kubo, 18-year-old Japanese attacker for FC Tokyo. Kubo made his senior national team debut on Sunday, Hooray! coming on in the 67th minute in the Samurai Blues friendly against El Salvador. Can we take a moment to celebrate? Because I feel like we've been hearing about Takafusa mm-hmm. Kubo for like two years on TSS, and he's finally made his senior national team debut. And we would expect yeah. more of that in the Copa America since yeah. he'll be in that squad. Uh, he was very active in the attack in that uh, appearance, creating numerous chances for himself and teammates. What Meanwhile, reports in Spain suggest that uh, Taco Fusacubo is a step away from signing with Real Madrid this summer, with Marca stating that he has already passed his physical. I don't know if I like this for Kubo. I'm not sure if I believe this for Kubo, but sure, I also don't think I like <laughs> it either. He's going to play for, end of, for the B team, mm-hmm. right? And it's not the highest standard. Mm-mm. It also, from what the reporting sounded like, it was that he will get like almost a first team salary, like a decent amount of money, but he'll be playing for the B team. That seems like a recipe for disaster. That sounds very Odegaard. Remember when Odegaard uh-huh. went there, but well, like had demands about the first team, yeah. but ended up with the B team, and they eventually just said, "Why don't you go move to the Netherlands?" Yes, <laughs> but is still a Madrid player. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the loan was really good. Yeah. Odegaard was really good. So maybe Kubo should just go straight for a loan instead of pretending that he can get straight in that Real Madrid team. Yeah. They just signed Hazard and Jovic. They did. Yeah. They also, I think, transfer listed like fourteen or fifteen. Team players, so maybe this is the idea that they got to like fill up the, uh, the oh, yeah. B team just With in some, case. Some youngsters. Mark Godberg is Godberg. Excuse me, Mark Godberg is scouting Patrick Schick, now twenty-three-year-old Czech striker for Roma. On Friday, Schick scored both Czech goals. The second featuring a lovely Cruyff turn in a come-from-behind win over Bulgaria in Euro twenty twenty qualifying. That nearly matched the three he scored all season for Roma. Oof, oof. Uh, a man who's scoring slightly fewer goals, or slightly more goals, excuse me, and also, I guess not legally a man, um, is Efren Alvarez, scouted by Ben Richards. Efren Alvarez is the 16-year-old Mexican-American attacker for the LA Galaxy. You're saying because he's not an adult, he's not a man. Well, you I know. think that's correct. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. I just wanted to check what you were getting at there. I mean, it could be two things. Uh, no, it is the age thing. Uh, Efren played all of the Galaxy's U.S. Open Cup match against uh, MPSL side Orange County FC. Uh, he scored twice in the 3-0 victory. The first from a free kick that showcased the skill in the 16-year-old's left foot. There's loads in there. There is indeed. And the second was a tap-in after a turnover. The goal also gave us the stat line goal Alvarez assisted by Alvarez as Fabio Alvarez played the ball <laughs> in to Efren for the goal. All right, well done, Efren Alvarez. There's still time to choose the USA. There is, right? I think so. Julie Nishimura Jensen is scouting Alan Halilovic, the 22-year-old Croatian midfielder for Standard Liège. 
Hilalovic, Halilovic, excuse me, was called into the full Croatian national squad. He was an unused Serb, oh, that's less good, in Croatia's Euro qualifier against Wales, and then received a 10th cap when go. he came on in the 58th minute of Croatia's loss to Tunisia in a friendly on Tuesday. His call was due to a long list of injuries, Rakitic, Rebic, etc., etc., but it's still a good sign. That was a, that's good, that's bad, that's good, that's bad, that's good? Question mark? <laughs> I think report, basically. <laughs> they also have two players called etc., which is strange. That's odd. It's odd. You wouldn't expect that. You'd expect, like, etc. Rich. And then maybe. <laughs> then maybe it would work. Thank you to Matt, Anthony, Todd, Mark, Ben, and Julie for today's scouting reports. If you'd like to join the Total Soccer Show scouting network, the URL is totalsoccershow.com slash join. All the information will be there. The link will also be in the show notes. All right. Putting it in the show notes. Yeah. I mean, I... I'm going to do it, so yeah. <laughs> People can just click on it straight I'm, away. I'm always aware of when you're doing it versus when I'm doing it, because then I take notes of like, what did Daryl promise was going to be in the show notes, <laughs> so I don't forget. We have had those moments where, I, where like, we have to like, message each other, like, did we promise something else in the show Yeah, notes? it's often like an article or something yeah. like that, that we've, and then we forget. And thankfully, we don't usually have too many edits, he says, knocking on wood for yeah. the future, because there have also been those times when we have that, like, at like 11.30 p.m., I'll be texting you, like, hey, was, were there more than three edits? Because I only remember three edits. <laughs> No coughing today. No. You did pretty well. That's good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right. I will close by saying, Taylor Rockwell, thank you for taking the time to talk to me today. Right back at you, buddy. Will I be talking to you tomorrow? Yes, you will. Yeah. In the afternoon for our uh, three Women's World Cup games. Again, uh, those would be Japan, Scotland at 9 a.m., uh, J- Jamaica, Italy at noon, and then England, Argentina at 3. All of those Eastern times, of course. Go on, you lionesses. Um, listeners, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Go on, you unicorns. <laughs> <laughs>